This is the New Song Church podcast. You're listening to a service from our church in Oklahoma City. Wherever you're at today, we hope this helps you to better know God and to practice the way of Jesus. Now here's the message. Hope you had a wonderful time with your family. Great to have you back with us. Christmas season is now officially upon us, right? To all those judgy people who have not wanted anyone to put out any Christmas stuff or any Christmas music until now, now you can officially put your stuff out, okay? The judgy people will no longer be able to judge you, all right? So put it out. For those of you who have had your Christmas stuff up since last year, flip it on, all right? Wherever you find yourself at... Just do, do your thing. Uh, we're glad to have you with us today, and we're going to have a great Christmas season here at New Song Church. We've got some great services lined up, and I want to encourage you to, to not just be a part of those, but to actually invite and bring people to be a part of those. You know, there's, there's two times a year, they tell us in the church world, there's two times a year that people are more prone to come to church than any other time of year. One of those is Easter. And the other one is Christmas, where if you'll invite somebody, there's a chance that they will come. So I want to encourage you that, I know it's a ways off, but, but be praying about who God would uh, use you to bring into this house uh, during our, the Christmas season. I believe that God wants to save some people, bring some revelation to people, make some, some, uh, bring about His kingdom in the lives of some people this, this Christmas season. And so here's what I can commit to you and say that we are going to do. We are going to do our best to champion Jesus Christ this Christmas, to make Him known, to make Him seen. And so if you would uh, get people here, bring people, be praying about that, thinking about that as we get close to that, all right? And then ladies, tonight is Sanctuary. Yeah, sanctuary tonight, and uh, we would love for you to be here with us, ladies, at 6 o'clock. Um, for those of you who don't know what sanctuary is, it's a time for the ladies of our church to come together and to just pray and worship and seek the face of God together. And I heard some great reports from the last sanctuary, uh, so be here tonight. It's for um, ages 4th grade and up. There's no child care. There's no registration. Just show up. If you're in that demographic, show up. And, uh, and just show up ready to receive from the Lord. Amen? Amen? All right, if you got your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 6, Mark chapter 10. Matthew 6 is where we'll start. We'll eventually get to Mark chapter 10. And we're going to read a lot. We're going to look at a lot of texts today. So, But those are two places you can camp out. Uh, we're in this series called How to Pray. And, and the heart of this series is, is that. We want to help people understand how to pray, like, and so that not only you, you just get it and have a better revelation of it, but that you can move from being a person who just kind of casually from time to time throws up a prayer to being the kind of person who is a praying person, that prayer is not just something you do when things get desperate enough that now it's time to pray, but that prayer is, is, is the outflow of your life. It's, it's woven into the theme of how you live your life and how you connect with God. And so we started a couple weeks ago working our way through this acronym PRAY, P-R-A-Y. Uh, three weeks ago we talked about the P, which stands for, who remembers? It stands for pause, right? That before we pray, that we pause for a moment, that we, we, we still ourselves, we quiet the house, right? Settle the house so that we can receive from God. Remember, this is about relationship. Prayer isn't about just kind of working some formula. It's about connecting with the real God. 
And, and before we do that, we need to slow down. We need to pause so that we can get our mind right, our mind focused on God, not to empty ourselves of, of every thought, but to, to really focus our thoughts on God, on who he is and what he wants to do so that we can connect with him the right way. And week two, we talked about the R, which stands for rejoice, but it also stands for relationship. And we can rejoice because we can have a relationship with God. The God who created this world, the God who is all everything, all the time, it, the one that we're to hollow, Jesus says in his, in his prayer, is one that we can also have the, a relationship with that we can call our, our father, our, our Abba, our dad, dad. Like we can have that kind of relationship with him. Or we can like crawl up into his lap like a toddler does with, with, a, with a good father and connect with him. And when we really get a revelation of that reality, it's cause for rejoicing we can connect with the all-everything God in prayer. Today uh, and next week, actually, we're going to talk about the A, which stands for ask. Look at the person beside you and tell them you got to ask. We're going to talk about asking today in prayer. Now, would you go ahead and stand with me as we read Matthew chapter 6 once again together? We're going to say this out loud. Words are on the screen. Jesus says, in this manner, therefore, pray. Say it with me. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. And as you're seated, let me pray for you and for us today. Lord, we come to you today like the disciples did 2,000 years ago, saying, teach us to pray. We're here today to learn, to grow, to gain a greater, greater revelation for what it means to pray. And Lord, I pray today that we would get a revelation of what it means to ask in prayer and the power that our ask can bring about in our life and in the world around us. Lord, we want to be the people of intercession that you have called us to be who not only intercede on our own behalf, but who intercede on behalf of the world to bring about your kingdom reign and rule in this world. So Lord, I pray over the next few moments that you would use me, that you would help us to be settled in who you are. And Lord, that you would speak to every person here today, that they would not have an encounter with a talk, they would have an encounter with a living, loving Savior, the one who, who died on the cross and who rose from the grave, Jesus Christ, the King of kings, Lord of lords. Lord, have your way in this service. Have your way in my communication. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Somebody said, amen. amen. Say it like you mean it. Amen. amen. Taking notes, you might want to write this down. You got your Being Transformed journals. You got your new song app. You're taking notes. You should be taking notes. Write this down. One of the primary purposes of prayer is asking God for help. And here's what's so wonderful about this. We actually can ask God for help. That's good news, right? That we're not just on our own. That God did not just set up this world, set it spinning, and then said, good luck with that. That Jesus didn't just die on the cross and then throw us a life preserver and say, hang on until I come back. No, that Jesus actually wants to be engaged with you in life right now. And we can ask him and he will step in and move in our life if we ask. Uh, Martin Luther says this, to pray is to ask for help. It is the earnest plea of a soul reaching out to its creator for strength and guidance. And Jesus makes it clear in, in this prayer, this prototype prayer, this model prayer that he gives us, that it's okay to ask. Look at the person beside you and say, it's okay to ask. 
It's okay to ask in prayer. What we see in in this model prayer is Jesus bookends this prayer with adoration. He says, hallowed be your name. And then he says, for yours is the kingdom and the glory forever. But wedged in between all of that, those two statements are, uh, is a list of requests. Jesus says we're to ask him in prayer for the coming of his kingdom. We're to ask in prayer for our own provision for our daily bread. We're to ask in prayer for the forgiveness uh, of our sins. We're to ask in prayer for him to deliver us from evil. Give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. And what Jesus models in this prayer is this mentality that there's no area of your life that is off limits to God. There's no area of your life that God is not inviting you to ask him to come and move into if you will ask him. Paul, in his letter to the church of Philippi, says this in Philippians 4, verse 6. He says that we're to pray about everything. And you know what everything means? It means everything, right? It's the Greek word pos. It means each, every, any, all. And that phrase, pray about everything, actually means to develop a state of mind. So this is a mentality, a state of mind in which we're turning everything, each thing, everything, all things in our lives over to God. This includes the big stuff and this includes the small stuff. Now, here's what I have I've discovered in my prayer life. Sometimes it's a lot easier for me to turn over the big stuff to God than it is for me to turn over the small stuff to God. Like sometimes it's a lot easier to go to God with the issues that are overwhelming than it is to come to God about the issues that the reality is I can kind of deal with this myself if, if I want to. But here, here's what Ian Bounds says. He says that a day without prayer is a boast against God. In other words, let me say it like this. Any area of your life where you don't turn it over to God, what you're doing in that area of your life is you're saying, God, I don't need you here. God, I can handle this on my own. And let me just tell you, that's dumb thinking. To, to, to not allow and invite God into any area of your life is not smart. It's really not. And so what happens is the big stuff comes along and like, like you go to the doctor and you get a a report and it's kind of scary. And so in that moment, there's a reality of like, I can't handle this on my own. So we, we turn it over to God. We go to God in prayer. We've got a child that is away from the Lord, a child that's kind of engaging in some risky behavior. And in that moment, it's like, ah, I can't really do anything about this. This is a little scary. This is a little overwhelming. So I'll pray. I'll turn that. I'll turn that over to the Lord. Or we have some prayer requests Something that we want to see God do in our life. You know, we're trying to, trying to get pregnant. Something along those lines. We're not getting pregnant. And we're doing everything we know to do, but it's not happening. And so in that area where we're trying and it's not working and we realize that we can't in our, own, in our own ability make this happen. In that area, it's easy to turn that thing over to the Lord. But sometimes in the small stuff, we think, well, you know, I can handle this. And I think we even think it's kind of noble for me to just handle it. Like it's noble thinking for me to say, you know, there's a lot of big stuff going on in the world right now. There's a lot of big issues. There's people who are suffering. There's people who are starving, right? There's, There's stuff going on in the world right now. And this thing that I've got going on, you know, it's in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big of a deal. And I can probably handle this on my own. So I'll just... I'll just handle this. Oh my God, God, you know what, God, I got this. I'll take care of this. You can just, you can just rest in this area, God. I, I can handle this on my own. Sounds kind of noble, but really, if you think about it, what we're doing in that area of our life is we're saying, God, I think you're pretty big, but I don't know that you're big enough to handle all the big stuff going on in the world and also handle the personal needs and desires and requests of my life. 
I don't really know that you're that big of a God that, that here's what it comes down to. I don't know God that you're big enough to handle the small stuff of my life along with the big stuff of, of the world. And let me just tell you, God is big enough. Some of you need to hear that this morning. God is big enough to handle any area of your life. Our God is big enough to handle everything. And he wants to help you. He wants to help you in everything. Romans 8 says this, verse 32. It says, since God did not spare his own son, talking about Jesus, God sent his son Jesus to this earth and gave him up for us all. He came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died for our sins. Won't he who gives us Christ also give us everything? Somebody say everything. Everything everything else we need. So follow the, the thinking here. If God cares about you, loves you enough to deal with the biggest issue of your life, which was that you were unholy, you were sinful, you couldn't connect with God. So God made a way so that you could be brought back into fellowship with him. If he was willing to help you in the biggest area of your life, why would he not be willing to help you with the smaller areas of your life? If he loves you enough to deal with in a massive way, the major problem of your life, don't you think he loves you enough to want to deal with and help you with your finances, your decision making, your health, your plans, dealing with that relationship, that whatever that thing is. Listen, he's big enough to handle it all and he wants to be Lord of all. But you have to ask, you have to invite him, him in. When I was a kid in children's church, we used to sing this song. Some of you might remember it. Our God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing our God cannot do. You guys remember that? It's true. Like some of you need to get that revelation again. Our God is big, strong, and mighty, and there's nothing he can't do. And he wants to help you in your life, but you have to invite him in. You know, the, the Bible talks about this idea that, that God actually knows the number of hairs on your head. And it doesn't just say that he knows the number. It says that he's numbered them, which means they're individually numbered by God. Do you know the number of hairs on your head? I sure don't. And, and some of you don't have any hair on your head. But you maybe, maybe you do know how <laughs> it left your head and entered your nose. I don't. <laughs> but we don't, we don't know that. But yet God knows that. And, and what we see in that verse is he doesn't just know how many he knows them individually. In fact, he knows how many fell off in the shower this morning while you were getting ready. Like this is a God of great detail. He cares about the details of your life, he, which means he cares about you. He, he cares about every detail of your life. He loves you and he wants to help you. And so what Philippians 4 tells us, is says that we're, we don't worry about anything, but we pray about everything. Everything means everything. So one of the dumbest things you can do is come to believe that God just cares about the big stuff and I'll take care of the, the little stuff. I'll handle this on my own. No, no, no. Listen, God is big enough and to, to handle whatever it is that you're dealing with. Nothing is too, too big for God to handle and nothing is too small for him to care about. So God asks you to invite him in so that he can help you with the big stuff, the small stuff, and, and everything in between. Way back in 2008, Sarah and I were getting ready to move into a new phase of our life. We were getting ready to have uh, our first child. And uh, we were really excited about this. And Sarah is a planner. And so we had been, she had been doing some planning. Um, when we first got married, we got into some credit card debt, making some dumb decisions. And we, we were, so we were really against debt. And so Sarah had figured out that in order for us to have a baby, it was going to cost us about $7,000 out of pocket. And uh, plus, we, we wanted a nursery. We wanted all this stuff. And so it was going to be close to $10,000 to 
do everything that we needed to do. $10,000 is a lot of money. It was a lot of money to us then. It's still a lot of money to us today, right? How many of you, $10,000 is a lot of money. And so for us, it meant we were really going to have to plan. We didn't want to go into debt to have a baby. So we got together. We prayed about this. We believed that God gave us a plan. So we asked God to bless our plan. We didn't ask God to cut us a check for $10,000. would have been nice, but we didn't ask God to do that. We asked him to breathe on our plan, to work with us in our plan so that we could arrive at this place when it was time to have the baby. And so we were working the plan. We were saving money. We were scrimping. We were eating at home. We were doing all the things that you do to save money. And we were on track to have this baby in May and pay for him in cash and have everything in the nursery that we wanted to have. And so it's January of 2008, a few months away from having the baby, and I start having some problems with my car. And when I say my car, it was our car. This was the only car that we have. And uh, in January, I just kind of pretended it wasn't happening. Like I just wanted this, you know, you know what you do. It's kind of like, eh, maybe that'll just go away. Like, Lord, do, do your will in this engine. Like, you know, but that wasn't working. So February rolls around, I'm still having problems, and it's getting worse. Like my car is just having these issues, and, and like you push the gas pedal, and it was like it, it wouldn't go, and then it would eventually go. And so finally, I took it in to the mechanic. I had great timing. I took it in on February 13th, 2008 the day before Valentine's Day. I dropped it off. The mechanic said, I'll let you know tomorrow what's going on. Valentine's Day, right? So uh, borrowed a car from my parents, was using that to get around. I was at work the next day. It's Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. I get a call from the mechanic. He says, hey, I've got some bad news. Don't you just love that? I've got some bad news. He said, the exhaust system on your car is shot and... Um, in order for us to fix this, we have to replace it. And parts and labor all in, it's going to be about $3,000. This was devastating news for me. And now, now listen, what he didn't tell me was, hey, you're going to die, right? What he didn't tell me was the world is falling apart right now. Like this, in the grand scheme of things, this was not the end of the world. This was just devastating news for me and for Sarah. And, but it's our only car. So I told him, I was like, well, I, I guess just fix it. And um, yeah, go ahead. And hung up the phone with him. And now I have to call my wife on Valentine's Day, my pregnant wife, and tell her this news. And I knew this was not going to go good. I call her up. We had like a date planned that night. So she answers the phone. She's kind of bubbly, you know, like, oh, it's Valentine's Day. He's calling me, you know. It's like, hey, <laughs> I got some bad news for you. And I told her, and I tell her, and she begins to cry. She's pregnant, people. <laughs> she cries. And so now I'm trying to console her. Like, Hun, it's going to be okay. Like, I, you know, I don't know how we're going to do this, but it's going to be all right. I'm sure that, like, they're not going to keep the baby. We'll get to take him home. <laughs> we'll probably work out some kind of plan. You know, maybe your parents or my parents can loan us some money. We can pay them back. Like, I know this messes up our plan. But I'm telling her all this. You know how it is. You're, telling, you're saying stuff, but on the inside, I just feel like darkness is winning. Like it's just, just a gut punch. And so finally, I was like, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray with you. We're going to pray together. We're going to agree. And then I'm going to hang up the phone. And I don't know what you're going to do, but this is what I'm going to do. Right here in my office, I'm going to spend some time praying and worshiping God and just turning this over to Him. And so we prayed on the phone together. And then I hung up the phone and I did like I just in my little office, I turned on some worship music and I began to lift my hands and I began to praise the Lord. Like, guys, I didn't have David Terry in there with me leading me into the presence of God. 
It was just me and a CD player going for it with the Lord. And I'm, I'm, I'm lifting my hands. And I just begin to recount the blessings of God. Lord, thank you that I, I was raised in the home that I was raised in. Thank you that I found salvation. I know you, that you freed me from sin and you've made a way for me, that you died on the cross for my sins, that you gave me my wife, my incredible partner in life that you've, you've, you've called to walk beside me. I thank you, Lord, that we're pregnant. We were believing God for a baby and you've given us a baby. We're so grateful. You've been so faithful. Your provision has been so present throughout our life. And God, I, we're in this situation. We feel like it was your plan and here we are and we need need you to intervene. And I'm asking you, would you show up? Would you make a way where there seems to be no way? And Lord, I, I just remind you that we're tithers. We're givers. We've been faithful. You said in your word that you'd rebuke the devourer on our behalf. And this feels like we're being devoured. So Lord, I'm just asking you, would you show up in the middle of this? Would you make a way where there seems to be no way? And then I just lifted my hands and I just sang and worshiped God. And I did this for about 15 minutes and then I stopped doing it. I didn't stop it because like I, like there was a breakthrough, like there was this moment where the atmosphere shifted, like I felt nothing. I just need to get back to work. So, so I, I, I got back to work and, and I kid you not, I, I, I sit down on my computer, I start working again and just within a few minutes, I get a call and it's the mechanic and, and I answer the phone and he says, hey, uh, after I got off the phone with you, I got to thinking and, and just so you know, he got to thinking about the exact time we got to worshiping and got to praying, right? He said, I got to thinking that maybe there's some kind of a recall on that, on that exhaust system because it's such a weird thing that is happening here. So I, I started doing a, calling around and checking into this. And actually, I called the dealership over here, and, and, and it turns out there is a recall. And if you'll just pick up your car and take it over here to the dealership, they'll fix it for you, and it will cost you nothing. Yeah. Now, before you start thinking, well, you know, that was just, that was just going to happen. Understand that mechanic took money out of his own pocket. He was going to get paid to fix my car. But what happened, and here's what happened. I believe this with all my heart, that as we begin to pray and we begin to worship God, the influence of our prayers invited God to move on our behalf to speak to this mechanic. I don't know if he was a Christian or not, but to speak to him and to say, hey, let's help this young couple out. Let's, let's, do some, let's make some phone calls. Let's do some work to help them out. And because of that, God's influence brought about his will, what he wanted to do in our life. And we saved $3,000. A few months later, May 20th, 2008, Sarah gave birth to an almost 10-pound baby. We named him Augustus, and he's right over there, six foot tall. <laughs> but here's what I want you to see. Was it the end of the world? No, but, but it mattered to us. And because it mattered to us, we brought it to the Lord. And because we mattered to the Lord, he worked and influenced that in our favor, on our behalf. Here, here's my point, okay? Maybe it's small and maybe you could handle it on your own. But what if God wants to handle it with you? What if God wants to lighten the load on that thing so you don't have to carry the whole load of that? Could we have paid it? Yes, but it would have made stuff a lot more difficult. So we invited God in and he made it easier for us. The Bible says this in James 4 too, you have not because you ask not. How much are we missing out on because we just simply don't ask? Now, here's a thought for you. If you only go to God and pray about the really big, gnarly, scary stuff that needs divine intervention, you're going to miss out on some of the small miracles that God wants to do in your life. Corey Tinboom says this, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Think about that. 
Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Do you just go to God in prayer when stuff's falling apart, when stuff is breaking down? Or are you inviting God in to help you to navigate your way through life? You have not because you ask not. It's okay to ask. In fact, let me take it a step further. God requires you to ask. He requires you to ask. Smith Wigglesworth says this. I love the last name Wigglesworth. One of the best last names ever. We need a dog named Wigglesworth. That would be good. (laughs) He says this. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. God requires us to ask, not to inform him. Like God's not up in heaven going, oh, you have a problem? Oh, I had no idea. But to position ourselves to receive what he is already eager to give. God requires you to ask. I told you to turn to Mark 10 earlier. In Mark 10, we, we have this, this story that illustrates this perfectly. It says this, verse 46, as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the, by the roadside begging. Blind Bartimaeus, right? When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Oh, let me be that person for you today. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you today. Jesus is calling you today. Cheer up on your feet. Step out in faith. He's calling you today. Verse 50, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now remember guys, this is real, okay? Jesus was real, you know that, right? This really happened. There's a blind guy, he can't see, right? That's blind, can't see, and, and he's calling to Jesus and Jesus says, you come to me. So, so picture this in your mind's eye, what that might've looked like. Jesus doesn't go to him, <laughs> Jesus says, you come to me. And so this guy in faith throws his stuff aside and, 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 and you get this sense in the text that like he's kind of rushing, like he's, in a, he's, he's, he's got faith, like he wants to get to Jesus. So he's blind. So he's probably having to kind of stumble through the crowd to make his way to Jesus. Verse 51, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Now think about this. Jesus isn't dumb. You guys know that, right? He's not stupid. He knows the issue. He knows what's going on. He's just watched this guy probably have to stumble blindly over to him. He's blind. And yet Jesus asked the question, what do you want me to do for you? It says this, the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. Verse 52, go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This man has an encounter. Blind Bartimaeus has an encounter with Jesus that leads to his healing. But in order for him to receive his healing, Jesus asks him to verbalize his request. He has to say it. He has to speak it. He has to ask. Rabbi, I want to see. About this text, E. Stanley Jones says, Bartimaeus' cry for mercy illustrates that God requires our acknowledgement of need Asking is not a demand, but an opening for God's grace to flow into our lives. Listen, my friends, the story of Bartimaeus reveals that it's not enough to just sit silently along the side hoping for the best. Jesus invites you to ask, to verbalize the request, the need of your life, to bring it before him so that he can answer it. God requires you to ask. Beth Moore says, God's heart is moved when we come to him in prayer. He requires us to ask not because he's unaware, but because the act of asking draws you into a posture of dependence and trust. God requires 
you to ask and be on. Let me take it a step further. Asking is a kingdom rule. And it's a kingdom rule that no one is exempt from, including the Son of God. There's an interesting psalm, Psalm 2, where you have God, and it's talking about kind of the, the greatness of God. It's talking about who He is, and, and, and it's talking about the Messiah. And it's kind of going back and forth between God talking, the Messiah talking, and Him talking about who the Messiah is going to be. It says this in verse 6. It says, I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. This is talking about Jesus. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, thou art my son, right? The son of God, Jesus. This day have I begotten thee. Now look at this, verse eight. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. So in case you didn't catch that, God talking to his son Jesus tells him, I will give you the heathen and I will give you the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession if you ask me. Jesus, the Son of God, had to ask of the Lord to receive. This principle applies to everybody. If the royal divine Son of God cannot be exempt from the rule of asking that he may have, we cannot expect that the rule is relaxed in our favor. We have to ask. Asking is a kingdom rule. You know, the Bible talks about how Jesus stands at the door and knocks, Revelation 2, that he stands at the door of your heart and he's knocking. You know what that means he's doing? He's asking, would you let me in? He's asking, you have to let him in. Are you with me today, church? Asking is a kingdom rule. It's not, Jesus isn't exempt from it and and neither are you. So, So why is asking such a big deal? Well, let me give you three reasons why. Number one is this, asking is relational. Asking is, is relational. Remember, in, in week three of the series, we talked about how God wants you to have a relationship with Him. Remember relationship. God's a relational God, and He's always more interested in having a relationship with you than just kind of blindly throwing out blessings to faceless beings. He wants to connect with you. And one of the things asking does is it brings us into that place of relationship with Him. Uh, remember, if you remember in the Bible, we see this over and over again with the life of Jesus, that he wasn't just about just, let me just throw, throw out blessings to people, but there was connection you see all through his life. There's a story of Jesus with the woman with the issue of blood. You guys remember this story? This woman has this hemorrhage. She has this issue that's been plaguing her for years. The Bible says that she spent all of her money going to doctors and, and none of them were able to help her. And she hears about this Jesus. She hears about this one who could be the Messiah. And she gets this faith inside of her that rises up that says, if I can just touch just the hem of his garment, then I will be healed. And so she works her way through the crowd and she works her way up to Jesus and she touches the hem of his garment and in faith she receives her healing. And the Bible makes it clear that Jesus recognizes that healing power has gone out of him and he doesn't just go on his way. He stops to recognize her. We see in this story that Jesus isn't just about, hey, okay, you received your power, whatever, I'm going to keep trucking. Like he wanted to stop and connect with her and see her and know her and have a relationship with her. You guys remember the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, the wee little man, right? Climbed up in the tree so he could see Jesus. Jesus walks by, sees him, and Jesus doesn't just connect with him at a distance from the tree. He doesn't just start to share with him, you know, information about the kingdom. He says, hey, come down. Tonight I'm going to have dinner with you. And we see that he comes out of this, this dinner with Jesus, a totally changed Man, why? Because he had relationship. Relationships leads to revelation. And that's what God wants. And in this story, 
Blind Bartimaeus crying out. Jesus could have just walked by and Jedi, you know, healed him. Like, boo, healing. There you go. But he doesn't. He takes a moment and he says, come to me. And he connects with him. Why? Because God is a relational God and asking is a relational thing. And so God requires us to ask because it connects us with him in a relational way. Tim Keller says, God's invitation to ask in prayer is an expression of his desire for relationship. He requires us to bring our needs to him, not as a duty, but as a way of deepening our connection with the one who cares for us. Asking is relational. Here's number two. Asking declares dependency. It's vulnerable, right? Andrew Murray says, prayer is the language of dependence. It is the heartfelt cry of a soul in need seeking God's help in all circumstances. You know, anytime that you, you ask for something, in that moment, you're declaring a form of dependency. You're declaring a form of vulnerability, whether it's something small like asking for the salt, right? You ask for the salt. What you're saying is, I need the salt. I can't reach the salt. You have the salt. I'm counting on you to get me the salt, right? Or asking for someone's hand in marriage. I'm saying in that moment, this is a big request. This is a big ask. I'm asking you to be my life partner, to connect with me. I'm saying to you in this moment, I don't want to do my life without you. I believe I can't do my life the way I need to do my life without you. So I'm inviting you into my life. There's a vulnerability to that. If you've ever been in that moment, that's a vulnerable moment. But in that, there's a, there's a sense of faith in that moment too, right? A sense of counting on someone else, of extending our hand out to someone else and saying, hey, I can't do this on my own. I'm inviting you in. And in faith, I'm reaching out saying, would you help me? I'm declaring my dependence upon you. Asking declares dependency. A.W. Tozer says, prayer at its essence is an acknowledgement of our dependence on God, a reaching out for his strength in our weakness. And here's number three. Asking is intentional. It takes intentionality to ask. You have to, it involves an activation of your will in order to ask something. See, here's how God has created you, just so you know. You're not a puppet. You're not a muppet. You're not a robot, right? You have a free will. We're not just mindless, pre-programmed beings going through life mechanically doing what the Lord has told us. That's not how it works. We have a choice. And so God respects us enough to not ride roughshod over our will. And God loves us enough that he's not going to force us to do anything. So he comes where he's welcomed and he waits to answer until he is called. And it's through prayer, it's through asking that we can partner with God to not only bring about his will in our personal life, but to bring about his will into this world. Something I hope you recognize today is prayer is powerful. I hope you know that. Look at the person beside you and tell them prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. And listen, it's also paramount. In other words, it's necessary. It's something that God wants us to engage in. God wants you to be an intercessor. He wants you to be connected with, with him in prayer, not just for your own request, but for the things he wants to do in, in this world. Listen, there are wonderful things that God wants to bring about in this world, but they will not happen unless we intercede for them. And there are terrible things that are happening in this world that will not be stopped unless God's people rise up in faith and intercede on behalf of our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
Karl Barth says, God does not act the same way whether we pray or not. Prayer exerts an influence upon God's action, even upon his existence. Now notice that, that word influence. I'm not saying that, that, that God will make people do stuff or that you can control God through prayer. I'm not saying that. But what happens is when we pray, we connect with God, we invite his influence to come alongside us in this world to bring about what he wants to bring about. He won't make people do anything, but he'll begin to influence, bring about influence in their life that can start to steer them towards what he wants to do and what he want, who he wants to become in their life. Richard Foster says, we are not locked into a preset deterministic future. Ours is an open, not a closed universe. We are co-laborers with God, working with God to determine the outcome of events. Listen, prayer makes a difference. It's powerful and it's prayer mount. And God has set it up in such a way that in order for him to move and bring about some of what he wants to do, some of this kingdom that he wants to build in this earth, he's counting on us to be people of prayer. Right. If, if not, why would we pray? Like if it's just, if it's just that God's going to do whatever it is that God's going to do and there's no control over it, it's just going to happen, then why would he invite us to prayer? Why would God say, pray my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven if his kingdom's just going to come and his will's just going to be done no matter what? Like what, is he just asking us to do this as an exercise? No, he's inviting us to be a part of what he really wants to do. Your asking in prayer matters. Your asking in prayer matters. If you want to see God move in your life, your personal life, you have to ask. If you want to see him move in your health, in your finances, think about this. If you want to see God move in, in, in salvation in your life, what do you have to do? You have to ask. It's not just going to happen automatically. There are people that are going to go to hell because they don't ask. It's the will of God that they be saved. It's the will of Jesus made a way so they could be, but they didn't ask and invite him in. In the same way, there's things that God wants to do in this earth that if we don't ask and pray and invite him in, they will not be done. Our asking in prayer matters. And beyond just our personal needs, the, the things that he wants to do in this world. There are things that God wants to bring about in this world. And, and just so you know, this asking stuff in prayer is so important that the Bible makes it clear that when you don't do it, it's actually sinful. You not praying is sinful. Let me show you this. 1 Samuel 12, 23. Samuel says, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord. How? Look at this. By ceasing to pray for you. Wow, right? He says it's a sin not to pray. Now, now remember, sin means this. Over and over again in Scripture, sin means to miss the mark. So here's the idea. When you don't pray, when you don't rise up to be the person of intercession that God has called you to be, to pray for not only your own needs, but the needs that He wants to bring about in this world, you're missing the mark of the high calling of God. You're missing out. You're not fulfilling your assignment like you you should be. And so that's why in this prayer that Jesus gives us, he doesn't just talk about pray for your daily bread. He says, pray, my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray your kingdom come, your will be done. These, Jesus doesn't just instruct us to pray personally for our daily bread. He instructs us to pray for a regime change, that his kingdom would come. And, and guys, I, I hope you understand what an incredible honor this is. Like you have been, you have been invited by the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God of all creation, the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-everything God invites you to be a part of his executive team, to bring about his influence in the world. Somebody say amen. amen. Like this is some good news. In case you don't believe that, let me give you a couple of scriptures here. First Timothy 2, the Apostle Paul says, I urge you then, first of all, 
that petitions, prayers, and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those in authority. Now, kings and those in authority, who's this speaking to? That's speaking to the political leaders, the people who are in charge of things going on at the time that this is being written. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So understand this. Our prayers for political leaders lead to God's influence on political leaders. So how about if we just believed that? And instead of just being a bunch of Christians who gripe about politics and who gripe about the leaders who are sitting on the other side of the table, what if instead of doing that, instead of posting about how dumb they are and how stupid they are and talking trash about them, what if instead we really believe the word of God and we begin to pray for them? And believe that God's influence would begin to move on them in such a way that God's kingdom will would be done in their life. Even if they don't agree with us and aren't doing this according to what the Bible has to say. How about if we just really believe that? In the Old Testament, God makes this astounding promise regarding the importance of prayer. Second Chronicles 7.14, he says, if my people, are you a people of God? Yes. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves. Notice it's, it's, it's asking, it's humbling ourselves. It's, it's saying, I'm, I'm dependent, I need help, we need help. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear them from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will restore and heal their land. Pete Gregg about this text says this. This is so good. The forgiveness of sins and the healing of the land are entirely contingent on the intercession of God's people. What task could possibly be more important, more urgent for our world today? Guys, we can pray and we can impact and influence the world. And yet we don't do it. We don't do it. Why don't we do it? Because we don't believe it. We're busy or we just, we just, we don't really believe it's true, but it's true. It's what the Bible tells us. It's what Jesus tells us. So if you believe the Bible and you believe Jesus, you have to believe this is true. And you have to have that kind of faith in what God can do in prayer. Karl Barth says this, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. What if we really came to believe that? What if we really came to believe that when we are praying, we are operating in a rebellion against the kingdom of darkness? What if we really came to believe that, that through our prayers, God could bring about this regime change and bring about his kingdom rule in this world, that it actually, when we pray, it's actually going to change things. What if we really came to believe that? Oswald Chambers says, the real business of your life as a saved soul is intercessory prayer. Prayer does not fit us for the greater works, Prayer is the greater work. All right, so hopefully you're a little fired up right now, right? You're quiet, but I'm, I'm guessing you're fired up. You're just internalizing all this, right? There's a holy burning going on inside. And so you're going, I want to be a person of intercession. I hope you get that because you're supposed to be. I want to be a person. So, so what do I do? How do I do it? Okay, I got four things for you. If you want to be, start stepping into being the person of intercession, there's four practical things that you can do. Number one, get informed. Get informed. Get some, you're going to have to do a little reconnaissance, right? If, if someone invites you to pray for them or if there's some issue that you see in the world that you, you feel like God is calling you to intercede for, you need to understand what's going on a little bit better. Maybe you've been in one of these situations before. I know I have where you're like with a group of people and you're kind of going around praying for stuff and someone lifts up their hand and kind of sheepishly says, 
um, I have a prayer request, but it's, it's an unspoken prayer request. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't be that person. Because here's the problem with that. I, I can't really join my faith with you in prayer when I don't really understand what's going on. Like, I can, I can try. Like, Lord, help them with whatever it is they're dealing with. Lord, you know, so you do. That's fine. But if I'm really joining with them in faith, I need to understand what's going on. So you need to do a little reconnaissance. Now, I'm not saying you need to pry into every detail of someone's life, but ask them some questions. You know, when someone comes to me and they say, hey, would you pray for me? I start to ask questions. Okay, how would you like me to pray? What are you believing for? Okay, you're going, to the, you're going in to see the doctor. What are you wanting the doctor to say? What do you want to hear back from them? Let's pray. Let's agree. Let's, so let me, I want to stand in faith with you. I can't stand in faith with you if I, if I don't understand what you're standing in faith for. So join your faith with other people. Do a little under, get, get a little information. If, you're, if there's an issue that you see in the world and you want to start praying over that issue, do a little research on that issue. Get on the internet. Maybe do a little searching, but be careful, right? Because there are a lot of dark holes you can go down in the process of this. There are real issues that exist in the world that have been taken over by fake news that's designed to, as clickbait to get you to pay people who just want money. I hope you understand that, right? You heard of clickbait before, right? There's real issues and someone will come up with some fake thing that they know is fake that they throw out there just so you'll get all up in a tizzy about it and click on it. And every time you do it, they get paid. So listen, get the information, but don't go down the rabbit hole of like all this dark stuff and get into conspiracy theories and do all that. That's not helping your faith, right? Pray over the issue, understand the issue, but don't go too far with it. And then once you get informed, number two, get inspired. How do you get inspired? Get inspired by the word. Get inspired by the possibility of what God can do. Once you know the issue, what, what does the word of God say about this issue? What does the word God say about healing? What does it say about whatever it is that they're facing? How, how can you begin to apply the word of God? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How can you begin to apply the word of God to this specific issue so that we can see the purposes and plans for that particular person, that particular place, that particular uh, situation shared on this earth? Get inspired. Get your faith inspired. Number three, get indignant. Get fired up. Some of you need to get a little hot about some of this, this stuff. You know, when you really come to understand who God is and what God's about, there should be a holy discontent that rises up in you when you look at stuff in the world and you see this is not God's highest and best. Walter Wink says intercessory prayer is a spiritual defiance is what, of, of what is in the way of what God has promised. Some of you need to pray yourself hot. You need to get fired up. And you need to recognize the authority that you have in prayer to stand against some of this stuff. You know, one of the, the things that we, we, we see in the Lord's Prayer, I don't know if you knew this or not, but every verb in the Lord's Prayer, hollow, come, be done, give, forgive, is in the imperative tone. Here's what that means. That means it's, it communicates a forceful, assertive, commanding tone. In other words, that there's some authority behind it. Now, this is not us going to God and making these mean demands of God, like bossing God around, but this is recognizing as a son or a daughter of the King of kings and Lord of lords, the kind of weight that that carries as a child of God, bringing about what God wants to bring about in this world. There's an authority to knowing what God's will is and praying into that from a position of power. Listen, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You're above the things of this earth. You've been given authority in this world. And you need to pray from that perspective. You're not, you're not fighting for the win. You're fighting from the win. Amen? Amen? 
So get indignant. Get a little hot. You see, I'm a little hot. I'm a little fired up. It's hot up here, right? Number four, lastly, get in sync. Get in sync. Somebody say bye, bye, bye. (laughs) Jesus said this in Matthew 18. Let this hit you. Let this hit you. Lock in with me. Jesus says, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Now, I know obviously we can dig into this and what it means to gather in his name, all that stuff. But here's what I really want you to focus in on is there's power that comes from agreeing with someone else in prayer. There's power that comes out of that. One of the keys to impactful prayer is praying with other people. We are a body of Christ. We are a family of God. And we join together and we join our faith together as the people of God to stand for things. You know, this is why we do midweek prayer every week. This is why we come together every week because we believe this. We believe that there's something powerful that takes place when the people of God come together, submitted to the will of God, praying and interceding in faith for God's kingdom come, God's will be done, to be done on this earth. We come together and we pray for a revolution to take place, for regime change. We're praying for revival. We're praying for change. We're praying for our political leaders' hearts to be moved. We're praying for God to do what God wants to do in this earth. And we invite you to be a part of that. And we believe that it, we do it because we believe it really does matter. We're not just going through the motion. We're not just looking for a reason to, to have another gathering. We're doing it because we believe it makes a difference. Prayer matters. Deuteronomy says that when people come together in prayer, it says this, it says that one can put a thousand to flight, but two, notice it doesn't say two can put 2,000 to flight. It says two 10,000. What we see there is that, that two people operating in faith together in prayer is, is 10 times more powerful than one person alone. That's what the Bible says. So, so we need to join in faith with other believers with like-minded faith to believe God for what God wants to do. So that's why we have midweek prayer and I want to invite you to be a part of that. We need more people to show up so that we have more influence, more impact. Amen? Amen. Let me close with this. Ian Bounds says this. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of His willingness. It is asking God for help with the certainty that He is both able and willing to provide. I want to encourage you. Ask, ask, ask. It's okay to ask. Ask of the Lord in prayer. Ask for your personal needs. Ask for God's change to take place in this world. God needs his people to be a people of intercession. Prayer is powerful and it's prayer and it's paramount and prayer is is it's necessary. It's it, God requires you to pray. It's a kingdom rule. It's a kingdom principle that no one is exempt from. So be a person of prayer. Let's be people of intercession, praying for our own needs, asking of our great God and asking for God to have his way in our world. Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Lord Jesus, we come to you today and we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that we have seen in your word today. And God, we just come today and we say that we want to be a people who have big faith and are willing to ask big requests of our big God. That we don't believe that things are too small for you to care about. Things are too big for you to handle. That we really get a revelation of who our God is and who you want to be in our life. 
Lord, we repent where we haven't interceded like we should have, where we haven't taken up the mantle of praying your kingdom into this world like we should. And Lord, we ask that you would give us a revelation of that so we could live into that, that we could walk that out in our world today. Lord, and I pray as we go into this next moment of the service, if there's anyone here that has a need, that they would rise up in boldness, rise up in faith, so that they can step out and receive what it is that you have for them today. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, I'm going to invite our altar ministry team to come down at this time. And I want to encourage you. We, we, you've just heard a message about asking in prayer and that we serve a God who wants to connect with you, who wants to help you. And I don't know what you might be dealing with today, but I know this, God wants to help you. That if it matters to you, it matters to God, right? And, and something that I got a revelation of years ago, so it just kind of hit me one day. Sometimes I think we think, you know, I... I, we don't ask God about the big stuff or we don't ask God about the small stuff, but, but here's the reality that uh, to, to a God who is all powerful, you realize like he doesn't categorize stuff as big and small. Like you realize to a big God, an all powerful God, when he hears the word cancer, that doesn't mean anything more to him than headache. We're the ones that categorize this stuff, not God. God looks at whatever you're dealing with and all powerful God says, I can help you there. So my, my question for you is, what are you dealing with? Be it big, be it small, be it something in between. If it matters to you, right? It matters to God because you matter to God. So my encouragement to you today is I believe this. We, we got people down here and we'd like to join with you in faith today. We'd love to know what's going on in your life so we can pray with you over that issue so that we can do, practice this word. And if you're here today and you have something in your life that you need prayer for, there's an ask, there's something going on and you know that you need you need to receive prayer today. Listen, don't leave with that burden. Don't pridefully walk out these doors carrying that thing, saying, oh, this is too small for God, or oh, this is too big for God. Don't, don't be that person. Just surrender it to the Lord. And, and listen, just see what happens. Just see what happens. Just come to the Lord today, and let's bring it before Him. He cares. He loves you. If it matters to you, it matters to God. Amen? Would you stand up on your feet? We're going to go into a time of worship. And if that's you today, you got a prayer need of some kind. Our altars have been filled in every service. So be bold. Don't be afraid to come down. And let's just bring these things before the Lord today. Lord, we come to you today and we say, thank you for being a God who cares about us. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't just die on the cross to save us, but you want to be a part of every aspect of our life. You're big enough to handle it all. And so today, Lord, I pray that faith would rise up that we would step out like the blind man who, who went to the Lord to receive what you had for him, who was willing to walk, step out and receive, who was willing to make that request, who was willing to verbalize it. Lord, let us be people who verbalize those needs, those asks, so that we can receive all that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. For more information on our church or for more resources to help you grow in your faith, go to newsongpeople.com or download our app by searching for New Song Church OKC in the App Store.